0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: Delighted to be joined by our next guest from over at Fox Thirty One, Taylor Kilgore joins us. Taylor Kilgore Thirty Three on Twitter or X or whatever. It turns out you type either one in; they both work still. So I don't know what to do with that. But Taylor, over there, Fox Thirty One, and host of Colorado Sports Night. Weeknights, Taylor, thanks for for joining us. Uh, We're looking at the Denver Broncos the day after the release of Randy Gregory and to an extent Sang Bassi as Sean Payton basically starts the revamp of his roster, the one that he was in part handed, despite the fact the Broncos won. That makes me feel that this game against the Jets were the Broncos to lose it. uh, That process could accelerate dramatically.
2: Well, you know, it it was an interesting move yesterday and an interesting mood in that locker room about it. Uh, I don't think people were really expecting such a swift uh, change to come on a Wednesday in week after week four. Uh, But, I mean, we've seen we've been waiting for Randy Gregory to kind of do something this year. So, apparently Sean Payton was not willing to wait for him to come around and you know we've heard the rumblings of some other things that it wasn't really a culture fit so um I think coach Payton has showed us that um he doesn't care what you're making how much money you got on that contract if if you're not fitting into the system and you're not about what they're trying to be about uh bye-bye so yeah a couple big time changes this week and after an interesting, you know, dynamic from the defense in week four, because uh, the first two quarters, we're going, oh, no, this is, this is bad, and this is getting worse. To the, second, the, the end of the game, you're going, okay, a couple big-time plays, game-changing plays from that unit, and you're kind of going, phew, okay, on to the next week, see what they can do against the Jets.
3: Well, if the Bears could do what they did against the Broncos, Zach Wilson, who finally played (laughs) a good game against a good defense in Kansas City, uh, figures to be uh, more of a threat uh, than Justin Fields. But the the stunning collapse and the historically bad nature of this Bronco defense, uh, I mean, this week is really the movable force against the resistible object, isn't it, when it comes to the Jets' offense against the Broncos' defense. And if you're going by certain metrics, the, the Jet offense actually seems stronger than the Bronco defense, even with Zach Wilson instead of Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback.
2: Well, I think especially if you're looking at that Sunday night game, right? I yeah. think we're all watching that going – hey, go Jets. We want them to beat the Chiefs. That'd be great. Um, Yeah, he did look good. And, and, you know, it seemed like they were desperate for a game like that and a performance from Wilson like that, just with all the rumblings you're hearing out of New York about how that locker room was responding to him at quarterback. So I think it came at a good time for them. Do I think all of a sudden he's figured it out and he's going to come in here and have another performance like we saw Sunday night? I sure hope not because I hope that uh, the defense is, has a better plan is going to make, make things difficult for him. We know that offense has a lot of weapons. if, If it was Aaron Rodgers leading things, obviously this would be a very different conversation. But I think if you're just isolating the Broncos' defense in itself, it feels like, especially after listening to Vance Joseph today, so much about what they're trying to do is in their control. So whether it's Vance kind of simplifying the scheme, the assignment for these guys, which he talked about, or you know, he came out and was pretty blunt and said, "Yeah, I think we learned when we do things right, it works." So um, I think that was kind of a, a a simple way of saying, you know, that second half we did we the players did what they were supposed to do and it worked. So it was kind of an interesting way of putting it. But um, let's hope that we get four quarters of the defense, quote, doing what they're supposed to do uh, this week against the Jets.
1: Uh, let's say there is a, a significant improvement. Let's say the Broncos win their second game. They get to two and three. They, they look like they did in the second half, even though the opponent is different. How much would that change the way we look at this team? Because the truth is their playoff odds are still extraordinarily long, not only because of the yeah. conference and the division they're in, but one and three teams. That's just the way it works. Uh, is this a spot where if they win, should the Broncos be looking at it or Broncos fans? I should be asking is the playoffs are back in the mix. Let's go get it. Or should fans be maybe a little bit more cautious saying, look, uh, you beat a Bears team, which is the worst team in the league. You beat a Jets team, which is missing Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Let's make sure that, you know, you're not going overboard. Progress is good, but let's not get crazy.
2: I mean, I could make arguments for both sides, right? But the way I'm going to look at it is the fact that, there are no easy wins on this schedule. And the first two weeks of this schedule were proof of that to all of us, right? This is the NFL. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. And, hey, they all, they all work hard, too, across the aisle. So um, I'm not taking any win for granted when I'm looking at this team. I think last week was a huge sigh of relief. It felt like almost a monkey was off their back. Like, get this win out of the way, get home, and let's see what, what you can do next. This next game, it did feel, you know, going into last week, it felt like, okay, this seems winnable. Obviously, we know how that game win. It was a little um, more dramatic than any of us would have liked. But then you look at this next week against the Jets, and you're hoping back on the home field that they can kind of take advantage of, of their kind of trying to find their new identity with Zach Wilson leading things as well. So I'm looking at it it's, in terms of playoffs. Okay, nothing's off the table because you need to catch fire at the right way at the right time. And it feels like Coach Payton is always talking about the race to improve. He talked about those first four weeks of the season, the race to improve in those first four weeks. Well, four weeks are now behind us. So what are they going to do in this next phase of the season? That's what I'm looking at. Um, In terms of the fan base, I would encourage them to look for improvement. Are, Are we looking at a team that seems like they're moving in the right direction? Because that's what I want to see. Obviously, we know with all the changes in the roster, and, and there were a lot of changes. That's not easy to work with, as we know. Uh, and then the brand-new coaching staff, the brand-new systems, everything they're dealing with, it's going to take time. I think we all would want things to work you know, 100% right out of the gates because who wants to wait another year with this fan base and with this city that is just so ready for a winning Broncos football team again. But I would encourage the fan base to look at the improvement and not focus on, okay, you know, if they lose this weekend, you know, slice it down to the studs. We got to get rid of every player and start over. I don't think well, I'm It's there a practical yet. matter. Talks you can't opposite- do that.
3: Yeah, talk to me at the trade
2: deadline. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think once we get to the bye week, we'll know we'll have a better feeling on things. Um, Of course, that includes um, two really tough games against the Chiefs uh, in the near future as well. So, yeah, I'm encouraged because I want to see improvement. Last week, I think we saw that in the second half, and I like what's happening on offense. I like a lot of things that I'm seeing on offense, so I'm choosing to focus on that and hoping that the defense starts to look like the defense we're used to um, very soon.
3: Along those lines, this is not a trick question, but it's a tricky question. Okay. The Broncos are 10th in the National Football League in scoring. Yes. They were dead last a year ago, as we all know, averaging only 16.9 points per game.
2: Ooh, the dreaded 16 okay.
3: points. Sean Payton comes in with a reputation as being an offensive mastermind. But he is the head coach of the whole team. So if we're grading John, Sean Payton at the quarter poll, are we saying he's turned the worst offense in the NFL from last year into a top-10 scoring offense, he's doing a great job, or do we say the results are decidedly mixed because he's the head coach of the whole team and they're the worst defensive team in the league? Well, it's a
2: great point, but I think it's also... And they're 1-3, too. That's true. That's true. And really wins are the only currency that matters in this league, but I will make the argument of while he is the head coach and he's running the whole, the whole system, right? We know his hands are all over that offense. He is, he's the one running those offensive meetings. He's the one who is, you know, working directly with Russell Wilson the most like that, that we know. Um, So yes, while he is the head coach and the leader of this locker room, he is the offensive guy. He's, you know, I think his hands on the defense look a lot different than um, this offense. So, yeah, oh, he, said he said as much oh, yeah. yesterday.
3: He said as much yesterday that he basically uh, comes around and makes suggestions. Uh, he doesn't. Well, and it, the game plan, mediums.
2: right? No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and why would he, right? He is known for his offensive uh, expertise, yeah. and I think we're seeing that at work. But I also think we're seeing... Of revamped Russell Wilson, who is playing to his strengths a lot more and, um, you know, is looking really good right now through the first four weeks. So I think that's something you can get excited about. Um, Obviously, Russ yesterday talked about, hey, we want to light up the scoreboard, light up the scoreboard. I say dreaded 16 points because if I heard that 16-point number again last year, I mean, we were going to – it was just horrible you just couldn't get past it so to not be in those conversations again you know i think you can be excited about an offense that is producing and is scoring on the opening drives of games which we never saw um so yeah those are things to get excited about and um i think once you can get a defense that's accountable and holding their own and doing their job i mean we heard from Jonathan cooper after the game in chicago saying I think the defense needs to take more responsibility. We need to take, we need to be making plays. And he certainly made a big time play in Chicago that won that game. But I think the more competent they can become, the better this team is going to look collectively because you won't have, you know, these very average offenses looking like all stars like we saw in that first half last week in Chicago.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge, right? Because um, we're talking with Taylor Kilgore of Fox 31, because if the, uh, the, the Broncos offense is better, and yes, the team is averaging 25 points per game, that's quite a bit better than the 16.9 that we discussed. The challenge, of course, is it is, you know, all football is really the gap. What's the difference between what you're allowing and what you're scoring? Yeah. And since it's gotten so much worse, uh, that's been the problem. But you're talking about now after the release of Randy Gregory, Nick Benito placed in a role that he hasn't been asked to be in. Jonathan Cooper uh, another player has been that, in that role all season thus far, but asked to be in a role he has never been in. Damari Mathis seems to have had, uh, perhaps regressed. Uh, Jaquan McMillan has been more or less a fringe guy, uh, now asked to step in and be the, the nickelback. Yes, these are opportunities for younger players to step up and make a difference, but realistically, we know this. You know, we All well, three of us have covered sports here. When you have three, four, five guys that are all young, they don't all hit at the same time and for the broncos it's unlikely to happen too when they run into these bumps when zach wilson takes the the jets on an 80 yard march down the field for a touchdown how does this team not fold under its own weight as it has so many times thus far this year
2: well you hope that you hope that that doesn't happen a eh? so we hope that the game plan is going to be um followed and 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 the defense does look better this weekend taking those steps forward but what you're saying is right young guys guys without experience guys stepping into roles for the first time it's not what you want across the board for your defense but when you're getting a guy like josie jewel back when you're getting a guy like justin simmons finally back fingers crossed for sunday i think you're feeling a little bit better because we know they're the quarterbacks of the defense, right? They're the vocal leaders. They're the experience of that defense. So how bad were they missed in that first half in Chicago? I think pretty bad, badly. you know. So you hope getting them back can help the young guys feel more comfortable, fall in line, be on the same page. I think that experience matters. Now, will it make up for – some fresh faces playing in roles they haven't played before, we'll see on Sunday. But I think getting guys like that back will only help.
1: She's Taylor Kilgore. Make sure you give her a follow on Twitter at Taylor Kilgore 33 host of Fox 31 Sports and Colorado Sports Night, which you'll catch weeknights on Channel 2 as well. I'm looking forward to joining you for that uh, this evening. We'll get that done yep. uh, a little bit. So thanks. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll swap spots. So I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to that this evening. And thanks for the time today, Taylor.
2: Sandy and Sean, appreciate you guys as
1: always. All right, thanks so much. Uh, the The challenge here, and, and, and we talked about it with Taylor, is the idea that all of these young players, Nick, okay, it's great that Nick Benito's coming on. Can he keep it going? Can Jonathan Cooper keep it going? Can Demari Mathis kind of get back what he looked like as a rookie? Uh, it's dropped off so far. You wonder. Uh, Jaquan McMillan's been dropped in there. And, okay, you bring back Justin Simmons and Josie Jewell. Hypothetically, let's say they both play. Are they 100%? If they're not, what's the problem? Because we know uh, it's not Jules' head that's usually the challenge; it's his foot speed, right? And 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 bringing a Slow jewel back in athletic. does not increase the Broncos' foot speed, and and that's one of the concerns as well. Because this is where, for the defense, a scheme is one thing, the, the game plan is another thing. But the fact that this this Broncos team simply doesn't have enough speed. Vance Joseph is dialing up yeah. blitzes. And they're not getting to the quarterback. Some of it is the pass rush ability, but some of the fact is this team just isn't fast enough, and they know it. What do they do defensively
3: that's even adequate? Uh, they're the worst run defense in the sport. They're 27th
1: in the league in pressure rate. I, I, I. It, that's no. I, that's a fair question. There is I, nothing I that they are particularly good at. Nothing. You can't find a metric in which they're particularly good. And I, I, I should take that back. They're, I think
3: they're ranked lower, actually, in pressure rate than 27. I, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong side of the ball. Uh, and, and it, in effect, that makes Taylor's point about Russell Wilson's uh, improvement, which right. has been ob- obvious. But, it, you know, we talked about the offensive line was going to be better this year.
2: Because
3: right? Right. it couldn't very well be worse. Last year, they were 23rd in pressure rate allowed. This year, the 27th and pressure rate allowed. Last year, 35.6% of the time, the quarterback, mostly Russell Wilson, was pressured. This year, it's 39.5% of the time. Uh So much the better for Russell Wilson because you can't argue, well, he's better because he's getting better pass protection when, in point of fact, he
1: he's not. He's not. He's so not. Give, give him credit there and, and and Peyton credit for working together and finding their way around things. And the Broncos could help. By the way, offensively, by really getting better at but, the ground but, but, game, which but look is still at, subpar. At what they're giving up, 8.9 yards per pass attempt. I know
3: that's remarkable. You know what the league average figure is through four games?
1: 6.9. Yeah, way lower than
3: 8.9. 6.9. Two yards per pass attempt. More than the league average. A third what more. The Broncos are third more giving per play. Up. Passes gaining more than 15 yards. You know, it, it, it's it's at forty five point two percent. Yikes! The lowest since two thousand three. Uh, the lowest through four weeks since two thousand nine at six point nine yards per per attempt. Uh, it, the the average. <laughs> these are average. You know, throughout the league, passes gaining more than fifteen yards. Way down. The Broncos are giving up a ton of explosive plays. They're giving up two yards more per pass attempt than the average team, not the best team. The average team is giving up. NFL passing in 2023, at least so far, is cutting against most of the trends from recent years.
1: Unless you're playing the Denver Broncos. Well, okay. The football season's well underway. Why bet with the big boys? Instead, try your hand with the local book. That's our friends at Superbook Sports. Give them a shot this fall. They're the book next door. A dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up on Wager on the same day using the promo code High. So bet with the best and use promo code High this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Broncos' defense is obviously a a work in progress. One of the greatest defensive players in the history of football, maybe the most significant defender in the history of football, passed away today at the age of 80. We will reflect on the life and career of Dick Butkus next in My Life Sports.
0: Sandy Cough and Sean Trotar presented by Superbook sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
1: Sad news today in the NFL and football uh, history, really Dick Butkus, the uh, tremendous bears uh, linebacker, maybe even to a certain extent, one of the guys that reinvented the positions played from a uh, 65 to 73, his entire career with the bears, uh, Basically, if there was an award to win, he won it. Six (laughs) All-NFL selections... Two defensive player of the year honors, eight Pro Bowls in his nine seasons, named the All-Decade team in both the '60s and the '70s. Seventy-fifth anniversary team, hundredth anniversary team. How
3: about that? Uh, Isn't that something? As far For as the '60s you know, and the '70s, right? And he basically came along in the mid-1960s, 1965 and, draft, and played through the early '70s before bad knees drove him out of the game. And you'll remember uh, if if you're a follower of Chicago sports, the Bears played their games for years at Wrigley Field, but then moved back to Soldier Field on AstroTurf, and it ruined Dick Butkus, ruined his knees. And I think there might have even been a lawsuit against the Bears filed at one point by Dick Butkus. His career was tragically short, as was Gale Sayers' career. Uh, and and the two great tragedies uh, of, of Chicago sports really from the mid sixties through the mid seventies was that one Gail Sayers and Dick Buck both had shortened careers because of knee problems. And two, the teams they played on apart from the first one in 65, which is the most underrated team I've ever seen in the national football league. That was a team that that year should have been world champion because they had been world champions in 1963 in '63, they had Mike Ditka, but they had Mike Ditka in '65. In '63, they didn't have Dick Butkus and they didn't have Gale Sayers. They were a better team in 1965, and George Halas got out coached by Vince Lombardi.
1: Butkus and, and so Sayers, and the Packers
3: won the title that year, and the Bears did not, even though the Bears had the best team.
1: Yeah, pick back to back. By the way, if you did not know they that, they did back in that 1965 I, draft. I was
3: wondering about the last time that a team had back to back picks like that. that. Were so both, Hall the draft, both Hall of Famers? Both Hall of Famers. Well, the Chicago Bears may have not the three and four overall picks, but the one and two overall picks in the upcoming draft next spring. It's possible because Chicago has Carolina's pick. So Chicago could finish with the worst record, or Carolina could finish with the worst record with Chicago number two. And if Carolina's number two and the Bears have the worst record, Bears have the first two picks because they have Carolina's pick. But in any case, Dick Backus is the greatest middle linebacker I ever saw. And I'm not talking about three, four. Uh, inside linebackers, although there have been some great ones, uh, who who were who would have been great in four three as as middle linebackers. Randy Gradshaw would have been a great four three middle linebacker. He played most of his career in a three four. Um, Kansas City Chiefs played a three four when they won the Super Bowl in nineteen sixty nine. But most teams in the NFL and in the AFL played four three, and there were a lot of great middle linebackers. In Dick Butkus' time, not one was better or as good as Dick Butkus. And I thought you mentioned changing the game. I thought the two defensive players of all time who changed the game the most were both linebackers, Dick Butkus and Lawrence Lawrence
1: Taylor. Taylor. That was where I was going to go, too. They
3: they were the two guys who revolutionized the way defenses played because Dick Butkus was everywhere, and he was smart, and Lawrence Taylor was smart. And he was everywhere, too. And fortunately, Taylor had a longer career than Butkus did because Taylor didn't have any injuries.
1: Butkus with 27 fumble recoveries in those nine seasons. Now, How about
3: forced fumbles? Yeah. yeah he forced almost as many and, and, and the more. other
1: these two uh, statistics, not official during his time, but the research shows that he also had 22 interceptions.
3: Yeah, amazing. And
1: 1,020 amazing. tackles there was in nothing nine he seasons. Couldn't
3: do. Nothing he couldn't do. It, he was a marvel. And, you know, he wasn't like today's linebackers do, making tackles six and seven da- uh, yards down the field and getting credit as tackling machines. Dick Buckus made tackles for losses. He made tackles that hurt. Dick Buckus had a philosophy that he was going to hit you as hard as he could, and if you got hurt, you know, he wasn't going to be despondent over that, but he didn't play to hurt you. He played to hit you as hard as he could hit you. And Dick Buckus was a clean player. He's a nasty player, but he was a clean player. He did not cheap shot people. He did not jump on piles after other people had made tackles to get credit the way Sam Huff often did. And Sam Huff was a great middle linebacker too. In an age in which the middle linebacker position of 4-3 defense was at its at its greatest point, he was the best of the bunch. He was
1: can he, you best, envision, he could have
3: played in any era, yes, and he would have been Dick Butkus in
1: any era, including the era we're playing in I today. mean, think about this. You're talking about a guy that for four consecutive years, between 67 and nineteen seventy, four consecutive seasons, finished in the top five of MVP voting. He's a middle linebacker. <laughs>
3: I mean, on a top, bad team. On a bad team. Other than 65. Top five in MVP
1: team. voting. I mean, that, that's absolutely stunning. So, I mean, a, a tremendous loss. And yes, those of you who know your Broncos history know he good was drafted for you. Here. He was yeah. the top overall selection, ninth pick overall by the Denver Broncos. I think he might have made a for the Broncos and the, the AFL. Broncos the Broncos are the worst of the AFL. Swung teams. and missed twice. In 1962, they selected yeah. Merlin Olsen. He a Hall of Famer. Of course, that did not uh, pan out as Olsen went to the NFL. Uh, Butkus was selected. Butkus went to the NFL. Of course. The right choice in that draft in 1965 was the ninth overall pick with the NFL by the then St. Louis Cardinals. He went number one in that 65 draft yeah. to the New York Jets. That would be one Joe Willie Namath. Yes. And then went on to the yes. AFL and then arguably became the person most responsible for forcing it to merge out of near embarrassment. Well, It had merged, but uh, the late
3: Jim Turner always contended, and I believe him, that because the first two Super Bowls didn't go well for the American Football League, when in fact, as we know now, it was the greatness of the the Packers. The legendary Packers team. I I mean, the the Packers are beating everybody in the NFL, too. But because the first two Super Bowls, Green Bay, Kansas City, Green Bay, Oakland, we so one-sided, and the Jets are supposed to get absolutely annihilated. The Jets were supposed to be the weakest right. AFL representative at that point in Super Bowl three. They weren't supposed to be as good as the Raiders had been the year before. The Chiefs had been two years before that. And had not the Jets pulled one of the great upsets in the history of sports, there would have been a merger There wouldn't have been, there, there would have been a problem. I think there would have been a merger technically, but there would have been a problem getting any NFL teams to balance things out by going over to the AFL. They wouldn't have wanted to do it. But after the Jets won and then the Chiefs came back the next year and beat the Vikings mm-hmm. and the Jets beat the Colts badly and the Chiefs beat the Vikings badly, then you got, teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore that were willing to go to what became the American football conference, conference whereas right. without those two super wounds that, that that would not have been possible, gave the AFL credibility. And, uh, you know, yeah, the merger was executed, but the AFC and the NFC would have looked very different had not Joe Willie nameless jets upset the Colts.
1: And oddly, of course, uh, because that worked, that means that the AFC after the AFL lost the first two Super Bowls. The AFC won the next three. Three, four. AFL five. AFC. Correct. Yeah. So kind of a
3: although it was Baltimore representing the AFC yeah. that won in nineteen seventy. Yes. But, but as and you pointed out, but then you had the Dolphins, Dolphins winning, winning the next back to back. And, and the Steelers winning two winning after winning that. And then the Raiders
1: winning after that. At, at, yeah,
3: at, the, the AFC, AFC dominated Dallas beat the Broncos in seventy seven. During, from sixty eight through seventy six, the AFC was dominant. Only the, the Dallas AFC. Cowboys. Cowboys broke through against Miami in nineteen and won again in
1: nineteen seventy eight. Only, well, they, no, but but yes, right. it, after against, the seventy seven season against Denver. Yes, yes that Super Bowl, Denver. that Super Bowl win in seventy eight was yes over the Denver but Broncos. But then the
3: Steelers came back right and won. No, my point is from
1: Super Bowl three. Until all the way until uh, you get to nineteen, They won the next two years. Uh, yeah.
3: They won two. Only the
1: Dallas Cowboys won twice. They won two the AFC won every other Super Bowl. There you go. So, I mean, obviously. Yeah. but yeah. Um, Well, that cha-
3: it changed everything. But get, getting back to Butkus, um, you know, I, I, I always say with Butkus and Sayers, there were no question about it at Hall of Famers. Think of what they could have done. Had they been treated more expertly from a medical standpoint and played on more than just one good team in their entire
1: careers. But inducted into Virtually the Hall of Fame uh, in, in his very first year of eligibility in, in 1979, and and uh, and rightly so, and so a major loss uh, to the, the football community. And a character. Oh, yes. And a
3: character. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, the Miller Lite commercials, and and for many other reasons with the a reputation of being so ferocious on Bears mm-hmm. radio and he was really a gentle soul was yes. a really and good guy good sense of humor
1: really good self-deprecating guy self-deprecating sense absolutely.
3: of humor absolutely absolutely and a- as players often are a-, a different character on the field and it didn't matter if his team was 1 and 12 you know going into the last game of the season you'd get the same effort from Butkus that you would have gotten in a playoff game. Unfortunately, Dick Butkus and Gale Sayers never played in the postseason.
1: Quickly, before we have a chance to go to a break, want to sneak in a phone call here from Dave. Dave, uh, what's going on?
0: Hey, I, I have a Dick Butkus story. So there's probably about 71. They came in to play the Broncos. And they ate over at Victoria station over on Colorado Boulevard in Alameda, right there in the in Glendale Used to be some train cars and that at Victoria Station. We went in there. Here's the Chicago Bears in blue sports jackets. I mean, pretty intimidating, really. The next day, they play the Broncos. Maybe one of the worst football games I ever saw in my life. Mac Percival hit the goalpost on uh, both ends of the, of the field. And the Broncos won 6 What to are you talking about? It was six to three. It
3: was a barn
0: burner. <laughs> oh, it was one of the worst games I ever saw. On a Bronco team that
3: went four nine and one, and, and
0: I suspect the one. Bears I think That was the year worse. Lou got
3: fired. Uh, it was exactly, and it yeah. may have been. Now I'd have to check because Jerry Smith.
0: Jerry Smith took Jerry, over. There. Actually,
3: Jerry Smith was the coach for that particular game. Lou Saban lasted nine games into the seventy-one season. Jerry cool. Smith coached the last five so it was actually jerry smith coaching the broncos that day okay. to a 6-3 well, win over the bears
0: lou got fired because of a half a loaf game yes against the dolphins which when is
3: actually the- uh, pretty impressive yeah we are, we are, we've the all time. Time. Was, we've, we've already the other other day. Day. yeah
1: he's he's totally forgiven
3: Huh? he's forgiven for yep, we over that last week yes yeah. miami went wow. to the next three super bowls and won yeah, two of
0: them know. That wasn't forgiven in Denver. That no, it wasn't. Years.
3: But no. we know now there have been more embarrassing days in Bronco <laughs> history. We saw oh, one two yeah. weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Oh no, that that's totally true. But there was the expectation still was to do better than Ken Ten die. Who knew how good the was Dolphins that, were? That was uh, a great Dolphin team. They had
3: actually the Broncos had won at Pittsburgh the previous week. But uh, yes, Jerry Smith won two games. And the only home game Jerry Smith ever won as head coach of the Broncos, interim head coach, was that game that you remember so well. Oh, it's awful.
1: Well, Dave, appreciate right. that. Thanks, thanks yeah, so thanks much for Dave. the call. That's a that's a that's a cool well, story. And uh, that, that Broncos team, by the way, I did look it up a little bit. They scored 18 touchdowns that year. That many? Yeah, <laughs> six of them were Floyd Little, <laughs> as you can the, imagine. The, the primary as well.
3: quarterbacks were Steve Ramsey. Don Horn.
1: Don Horn. That's right. They
3: basically split the duties that year. Uh, Ramsey averaged 6.29 yards per attempt, and Horn averaged 6.1. Their leading receiver was Bobby Anderson, who caught 37 passes for 353 yards. That was their leading receiver. And their leading rusher, of course, is the Hall of Famer Floyd Little, who somehow, on a team that had a terrible offensive line and no passing game, rushed for... One thousand one hundred thirty-three yards on two hundred
1: eighty-four carries, an average four yards per rush. In the game one of the days, great years of any running back. Steve Ramsey was actually the quarterback in that game. He uh, completed passes for eighty-one yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. For a, for a passer rating of 25.8, which was far better than who his, was the
3: Bears quarterback? Was Bobby Douglas? Douglas, who yeah. threw
1: for 50 yards and two hand. picks and was sacked nine times yeah. for a quarterback passer rating of 6.2. I give it to Floyd Little on that night. Uh, 29 carries for 125 yards. Floyd
3: rushed for 1,133 yards that year, and his long run was 40. That's how bad the Bronco offensive line was. He scored six touchdowns on a team that had 18 total. A third of the touchdowns were scored when Floyd Little was running the ball.
1: Well, yeah. we always take a—it's a, obviously good to, to talk about whether the guy like a, a Dick Butkus and think about but that those was great Dick
3: Butkus' last appearance in Denver. In Denver. The team that had drafted him drafted out of the American out football. football. Out
1: of, out of the old—yeah, yeah, the, the ninth overall selection, did not sign. On Mondays, we always have an opportunity to talk a little bit about mental health, which matters not only— uh, in real life, of course, but also has an impact on sports. And uh, Sandy, you want to talk a little bit yeah, about our well, friend, Dr.
3: Our Rick Perea is uh, one of the foremost uh, performance psychologists in America, and I've known Dr. Perea uh, for a decade. He's the best in the business. You get your checkup from the neck up from Dr. Perea here every Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. He is the former psychologist of the world champion Denver Broncos in 2015. He also worked with the Rockies in advance of their two consecutive years in the baseball playoffs. And, of course, the current world champion Denver Nuggets. Dr. P also helps middle and high school performers to reach peak performance, whether you're an everyday performer at work, play, at school. Call Dr. P today at 720 287 933 That's 720-287-0933. Or look them up at Dr. P at think one number 4 u That's think14u.org.
1: Well we talked a little bit about it. We will sit and <laughs> look at this Jets game coming up. And it's uh it's interesting. The the Jets as they uh as they say up in Boulder keep receipts. They're not super enthused about some of the comments that the 1-3 Broncos may have made about the 1-3 Jets. We'll yes. hear a little bit about their motivation next on My Life Sports.
0: This is
1: Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, according to the folks at uh, Super Sports, the new data kind of football company, if uh, if you haven't heard about them, you will. They do terrific work. I interviewed uh, their top folks over at the Super Bowl, if you were listening at that time back in February. The Denver Broncos have a 4.7% chance of making the playoffs. The New York Jets... Have a 12.3. Now, neither of those are particularly good, but one is almost triple the other. Now that they have a one and three start, and they're rather fortunate they're not 0 oh and four. Sean Payton's statement in which he more or less absolved Russell Wilson, and that part seems to have been panning out at least, as we talked about Wilson earlier in the program. But Nathaniel Hackett doing uh, quote one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL which seemed a little unnecessary. And he talked about that in July. Well, former Denver Bronco, now New York Jet, Connor McGovern, specifically talked about the idea that they wanted, quote, payback at Empower Field. Said, quote, he got thrown under the bus, and then they tried to drag him under the bus. We wanted to rally around him from the start. He's such a good guy. I don't know how you want to say this the opportunity he has, but we want to make the most of him being our play caller. He's a phenomenal coach, crazy smart, makes meetings really fun and easy to learn. So he's definitely a guy you want to play hard for. Then to go to a place that was dogging a guy that's so nice and so good at his job, you definitely want to play that much harder. Uh, McGovern also pointed out that Hackett hasn't mentioned any about anything about the Broncos all week that long. That would be in character. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, their tackle, said we rally behind him regardless. This week, there's a bigger chip on some of the guys' shoulders because of the comments that were made before. Hackett told uh, reporters, of course, back at the time. Let's get this out of the way, everyone. This is about the guys on the field. It's not about me. It's not about. It's about me helping them during the week. I just want the guys to go out there and play a great game. All right. If very you are Nathaniel character. Hackett, who actually is, at least in my p- opinion, a good guy. Yeah. Very likable. I, didn't all, happen all, to be a very. All good of that's head football true. Football didn't coach. happen to be a very good head football coach, but nice guy. Uh, yeah. Very very easy to like and very easy to root for. He's not a bad play caller. In fact, if you weren't impressed with what he was able to do to simplify things for Zach Wilson last uh, Sunday, I yeah, don't know what to tell and, you. Listen,
3: uh, he, he was kind of caught in a in a tough spot because clearly the offense was designed for Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson is not Aaron uh, Rodgers qualitatively or stylistically. He's not. So when Wilson gets thrown in there, it's Rodgers' offense that he's trying to execute. It is not an offense that is playing to his strengths. And, of course, the play calling is going to be ultra conservative because they're trying to protect Wilson from himself, and they're also trying to – allow for the possibility that their defense and maybe their special teams, certainly on opening night it was a special teams, who had as much to do with their win as any of the other groups they put on the field uh, against the Buffalo Bills, who haven't lost since. Uh, it, naturally, Wilson didn't want to make mistakes, and they were ultra-conservative, and he's pressing, running an offense that's really not designed for him, but all of a sudden, last Sunday night, it seemed like they loosened the reins. Yeah. And uh, as uh, he put it, uh, or somebody did, uh, the idea was let it rip. Just let it rip. Probably Chris has, Collinsworth. It seemed a, like he was going to adopt it. Well, yeah. And 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 again, <laughs> the distinction, which was lost apparently on Chris Collinsworth, who I generally like, between acknowledging that he was better against Kansas City. And may have even played his best game as a pro without annoying him. I think so, yeah. And I I think that distinction, at least on Sunday night, was lost on Chris Collinsworth. But in any case, he he actually has a pretty good arm. They had him throwing on the move, which is something that wasn't really part of their offense when Aaron Rodgers was running it. It might have been at one time a good idea to have Rodgers on the move, but not anymore. And for Wilson... It seemed to give him some confidence, and he actually scored on the two-point conversion that tied the game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So he was effective throwing it, and he was effective running the ball as well. Uh, He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, I was surprised at where he was drafted. Not that he was drafted in the first round, but where he was drafted. And, you know, the Jets have just had buzzards and they, they, through they, the years. They freaked the out over the combine.
1: In. I mean, we yeah. remember this. Yeah. You know, I remember saying it at the time with you, with, with you that uh, Zach Wilson had the play in the combine. We rolled to one side, threw across his body, and, you know, hit a strike. And the, the Zach, the, the, that got launched Zach Wilson oh, yeah. because yeah. everyone fell forward at the combine, which, by the way, anytime anybody launches way up because of the combine, that's bad. You don't yeah. want to be the person that picked the high riser at the combine, ever. But the Jets are, you know, the well, Jets. The Jets are averaging three and a half
3: net yards per pass. Broncos, as we said earlier, are allowing 8.9 yards per pass yeah. attempt. Uh, the resistible force against the movable objects. Yes. This, this, this is where is we so are. This is so
1: bizarre that we have to look at, and, and, and I mean no disrespect, if you're looking at this game, You have to look at the Denver Broncos and go, oh, how are they going to stop Zach Wilson? (laughs) With a straight face. Imagine. I have to say that that with a straight face. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Before
3: the Miami game. Exactly. Can you imagine saying the biggest issue when the Jets play the Broncos in week five is centered on whether the Broncos can stop
1: Zach Wilson? Well, is it though? Because you pointed out uh, the Broncos are also giving up the most yards on the ground, right?
3: And they are. Um, and uh, the pitch count is yeah. Brees taken Hall, away Brees Hall, from Brees has Brees Hall no who was hurt last year. And by the way, the last Rock.
1: week uh, averaged 9.3 yards per he's carry. One.
3: He's a good one. He is this good is
1: going to be, and, and Garrett Wilson is a good one, too. Oh. And, uh, 14 G- targets. Garrett Wilson was the rookie of the year last yeah. year. Uh, and
3: what's Zach Wilson throwing to him? Uh, he's, he's the real deal. Even Sean Payton, who is not as you've probably figured out, prone to complimenting opposing teams, players, coaches, and so on,
1: raved this week about how good Garrett Wilson was. This is a, for the Broncos defense, this really feels like now or never. If you can't, and I mean, we're not talking about holding the Jets to 28 points. (laughs) If you can't, I mean, stop the New York Jets <laughs> with Zach Wilson at yeah. offense, holding the twenty points. Who are you really going to stop? I, I mean, th- is, this feels like at this point
3: nobody left on the look, schedule that I can see.
1: Right? It's 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 right? the old at a certain point your record is what 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 it says on the page. Yeah. And yeah. if you're the Denver Broncos defense and you can't stop this team at home, you can't stop anybody. Well,
3: they didn't stop them last year. Well. They may have stopped him to an extent, but they didn't beat him. Zach Wilson was the quarterback of the Jets in week seven last year when they beat the Broncos 16-9 to nine here in Denver. Right. He is presumably a better quarterback than he was at that point. I would think so.
2: Yeah, Now, I would, think so.
3: I would assume that the Broncos could manage more than the nine points they scored against the Jets last year. I would hope. But the Jets weren't very good last year. They were 7-10, and 10, the Broncos are 5-12, and 12, and the Jets had no trouble beating the Broncos here in Denver in Week 7. So now almost a year later in Week 5 in 2023, they come in again, not with Aaron Rodgers this time, but with the same Zach Wilson, a quarterback, but maybe not exactly the same Zach Wilson, who seemed to have found a lot of confidence, even in a defeat the other night. So much confidence that he was able to acknowledge after the game, my fumble cost us the game. And this is Zach Wilson last year who refused to acknowledge any responsibility for any game, the jet lost, and was That's for a that great point. reason, I think mainly along with his poor play, of course, but mainly after he said that he lost credibility with his teammates. He has regained that credibility. Now he's been a good citizen when it figured he might not play at all this year. And he was very supportive of Rogers and Rogers in turn Rodgers does a lot of goofy stuff now, and I'm kind of tired of Zach generally. But just by showing up last week mm-hmm. at the game, without advising Zach Wilson or coaching him, just his presence seemed to relax the Jets and put Wilson at ease, which seems weird. But maybe his actual presence helped Wilson more than the shadow of Aaron Rodgers, and trying to live up to what Aaron Rodgers might be doing if he were healthy and trying to be that kind of player. Just be who he is. Hackett has a better feeling now for what Wilson does well. Remember, Hackett was here last year and had no contact with Wilson, and I think it's fair to say that Hackett didn't work a lot with Wilson, certainly not on any kind of individual basis during the offseason.
1: And we'll get more into this, but remember, we talked about Brees Hall too. Brees Hall in that game. That's the game in which he tore his ACL after it, tearing after, uh, through the Broncos defense yes. for 72 yards on yeah. four carries, including a 62-yard touchdown yeah. yeah. run. I remember so we'll that break, run. Yeah, we will break down Against all of that. was the world's that. greatest defense back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a lot better than this one has been when it came up to points. So we'll break all of that down tomorrow on a football Friday. Thanks to Taylor Kilgore for joining us from Fox 31. Taylor Kilgore 33 is her handle on Twitter. Thanks to Danny Bailey for putting everything together. Thanks to everyone who called and texted. Uh, appreciate all of you. Thanks to everyone who's listening, whether it's on the FM or the HD radio, whether you're going to MyLifeSports.com or you're getting ahead of it and just getting the MyLifeSports app wherever you get your apps. We'll be back at it tomorrow for Football Friday. We appreciate you and looking forward to it already, but it's time for us to step aside. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll be back tomorrow, but you well, why don't you keep it right here on My Life Sports?
0: Help Okay.